2020 is going to see one of the most dramatic discussions on international taxation that we have ever seen. My name is Grant Wardell Johnson, and I'm joined today by Andy Hutt, who's a director in our Economics and Tax Centre, to discuss two pillars that are being put forward by the OECD. Today, we'll focus on Pillar 1, which is the unified approach, and the next episode will concern Pillar 2. The fundamental problems in relation to this um, debate are twofold. Firstly, when international tax rules were first um, put in place 80 to 100 years ago, physical presence was an important element of deciding who had taxing rights. What was not anticipated at that time was the internet, and now you can have access to a mass market without actually having a physical presence in that jurisdiction. And the second problem is referred to as the routine profit problem, and that is even though we have arm's length principles in transfer pricing, what is left is a profit beyond those that routine profit, which is referred to as residual profit, and there's a question as where that is where that should be taxed. Um, Andy, can you give an outline of the approach that the Secretariat of the OECD is adopting in relation to these two problems? Sure. So what the OECD Secretariat is proposing is that we uh, take the uh, profits of a multinational enterprise and allocate them to three buckets. The bucket that's the most new and innovative uh, out of the three is the so-called Amount A. And this is the portion of the consolidated global profits of the enterprise that gets reallocated to market jurisdictions under a new taxing right. In calculating Amount A, firstly, we would apply a deemed return on assets in calculating the routine profit of the business. The remainder would be the non-routine profit. We then split that non-routine profit between the amount to be allocated to markets and the amount related to trade intangibles such as capital and risk. So if you think about the context uh, of a social media business, uh, this might involve distinguishing between the profit generated from brand and customer data and the profit generated from algorithms and software. The first portion, uh, the amount allocated to the markets, would be amount A for that kind of company. What we'd then do is take that amount and share the taxing rights to it between the market jurisdictions based on an allocation key, which would probably be the value of sales. So that's the first uh, of the three buckets that the uh, OECD are proposing we allocate a multinational's profits to. The second bucket, you can guess, amount B, uh, is a deemed return on what they call baseline uh, marketing and distribution activities carried out by an enterprise's foreign subsidiaries. The objective is to try and get to an internationally agreed deemed return on those activities so that we can take those activities outside the scope of recurring transfer pricing disputes that currently uh, occur around the world uh, between multinationals uh, and tax authorities. 
And so the idea is that we'd have an internationally agreed deemed return on those activities uh, and an internationally agreed scope of what those activities are, which would then take those uh, activities outside the realm uh, of transfer pricing disputes. The third amount, amount C, uh, is anything additional to baseline marketing and distribution that a subsidiary or permanent establishment in a market jurisdiction would carry out uh, in addition to those activities. And the idea is that for those activities, we maintain the current concepts of uh, an arm's length transfer pricing return uh, to those activities. So that's basically the, the OECD uh, Secretariat's proposed approach to allocate a multinational's profits between those three buckets. Uh, and really the, the thing that's really new uh, is firstly in relation to amount A uh, to create this new taxing right for that element of the, uh, uh, of the non-routine profits. Uh, and secondly for amount B to try and have this deemed internationally agreed return on baseline marketing and distribution activities. Andy, let's talk a bit about the contentious issues surrounding this. So one is what carve-outs might exist in relation to particular industries, and the consultation paper that was released on the 9th of October referred to potential carve-outs for extractive industries and commodities, but other industries such as the finance industry, banking, insurance, funds management are also seeking carve-outs. That's um, right. How important is this you know, part of the debate? That's right. Uh, and that part of the debate is going to be particularly important for Australia uh, with our focus uh, on extractive uh, industries and also our focus on uh, financial services uh, and seeking to be a regional financial services centre. So the carve-outs uh, or the proposition of them for those two industries in particular is going to be really important for Australia. I think an added dimension is that uh, the OECD Secretariat talks about the proposals being more focused towards what it calls consumer-facing organisations. And so there's going to be a real debate about what is a consumer-facing uh, organisation from that perspective uh, in terms of the complex supply chains that uh, organisations uh, who offer uh, retail goods and services uh, might, it might involve. So there, there's going to be a real tension there uh, internationally uh, in working out what businesses are, uh, are in scope uh, and what businesses are out of scope when we get down to the, the definitional margins. Right. In calculating amount A, you have to work out the routine profit and then the residual profit that flows from that and split the residual profit, as you described, That's right. between the market and, say, non-market elements. How are we going to go about calculating that routine profit? Are we going to use arm's length principles in relation to that or particular formulas? Um, what's, what's proposed there, Andy? The OECD is really keen, or at least the Secretariat is, to get towards some sort of formulaic approach. Uh, it's really looking for a solution, don't forget, that will not just work for developed countries, but also work for less developed countries that don't have the resources to uh, indulge in you know, protracted transfer pricing disputes if we look at everything uh, on an arm's length basis. Uh, so there is, a, there is an energy coming from the OECD Secretariat to try and um, calculate deemed routine profits on the basis of uh, internationally agreed returns for certain 
industry types or business lines, uh, but equally there's a, a, a sense among perhaps some of the more developed countries that we should stick closer to uh, arm's length principles uh, you know, on a company by company basis. So that's going to be one of the hardest ones to resolve in right. relation to amount A. Amount B is interesting because what's being proposed there is not an arm's length principle, but having a fixed return in relation to marketing and distribution activities. Right. Um, what I suspect the OECD is trying to get at is limited risk distributor models, whereby yes. multinationals are in some sense artificially moving risk out of the market jurisdiction to another jurisdiction. What alternatives might exist in relation to this um, apart from the amount B calculation? Yeah, that's uh, the, the amount B is going to be a source of, uh, of great controversy because there, you know, there's a lot of uh, work uh, and analysis at the moment goes into uh, looking at you know, what is an appropriate arm's length um, return for distributors uh, and limited risk uh, operations uh, in market countries. Uh, I think the OECD Secretariat's looking to take some of the, the heat out of uh, and, and time spent on you know, debating this, which chews up a lot of tax authority time uh, and a lot of taxpayer time uh, for relatively small percentage margins. Um, and I think you know one of the one of the key things um, that's going to need to be looked at is whether, on balance, uh, the if they can get to an internationally agreed return, is that um, you know slightly below arm's length or slightly above arm's length, and what flow-on impacts does that have for the calculations of the other amounts, you know, amounts A and amounts uh, and amount C, because there you know there's there's a number of different moving parts there. If a, if a country collects slightly less under amount B, it might have a bigger pie under amount A to get revenue from. So there'll be, um, there'll be countries who see different dynamics in terms of how that plays out, and, and that will give rise to you know, competing views on uh, you know, the desirability of a fixed uh, rate of return on those limited risk uh, activities. Uh, and if there is a desire for it, where it should sit in terms of you know somewhat above arm's length or somewhat below. I mean, one thing about this whole proposal concerns um, disputes and how they're going to be resolved. I mean, not only do you need a change to all the treaties for for this to work, but you really do need a, a dispute mechanism um, that can deal with multiple jurisdictions, as multiple jurisdictions will have an interest in how routine and non-routine profits are actually calculated. And that will be a really big challenge um, going forward in relation to this. Absolutely. So having a, having a multi-country dispute resolution process that uh, not only uh, works, but works reasonably quickly, uh, and in which uh, the taxpayer community has confidence will be one of the biggest pieces to actually allowing the, uh, the OECD's proposal to be successful. Uh, if there isn't that confidence that uh, a multi-jurisdictional dispute resolution process can, can work, uh, then it's going to be very hard to get this uh, over the line in the next 12 months. Well, which raises the question of the chances of success, and I've actually said in the press that I think the chances of success are reasonably high notwithstanding some very significant difficulties associated with it. And the reason for that is that there's a Damocles sword of 
um, DST or digital services taxes that hangs over this whole process. If this process doesn't work, then it's likely that the EU will introduce a turnover tax on digital services and many other countries will actually follow suit. And I think business is cognizant of that and therefore um, willing to accommodate uh, additional tax um, to ensure certainty and to ensure we don't end up with a breakdown of corporate tax rules into these DSTs or digital services taxes. Do you agree with that? I agree. I think I think business has made a really good contribution to the debate so far in terms of coming up with um, ideas uh, that are aligned to the unified approach that it thinks would work and, and would be applicable across uh, a range of developed and less developed uh, countries uh, because I think business can see that the, uh, the alternative to, to getting uh, the OECD proposals to, to work uh, is a mishmash of different regimes uh, that'll be based on revenue rather than profits uh, and that'll be so difficult for you know business to work with uh, and partic be particularly difficult for emerging businesses uh, to work with and those that have made huge upfront investments um, and are not yet profitable so uh, I think you know business coming to the party on this has been a, a you know a, a really good uh, factor uh, in the progress that's been made so far and hopefully it can be a further factor uh, over the next 12 months so that we can actually get um, to a decent solution. Thanks very much Andy. I'm Grant Waddell-Johnson and we welcome any comments from listeners in relation to this debate um, as um, it would feed into the whole OECD consultation process. And we'll also have a second episode in relation to Pillar 2 so watch this space for next week. Thank you.